0: welcome back to podcast overseas the southeast asian student association's first ever podcast series here at university of california irvine for our episode this week elaine and i wanted to highlight individuals who are organizing and fostering civil engagement within their community
1: So it's individuals like our guest speakers and their actions that invoke senses of ambition, compassion, and community building um, as the society around us continues to become more disproportionate. So from mobilizing its members to advocate for social justice to building relations in and around Orange County, the organization of Viet Rice continues to become a formidable group to progress the rights and resources uh, for the Vietnamese community. To start off, can our guest speaker please introduce themselves, name, major, and occupation?
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Lena. Um, I currently go to UCI. I'm a fourth year transfer student, and I'm currently majoring in psychological sciences and minoring in Asian American studies. And I also work with Viet Rise, uh, which Elaine just introduced us. And we're basically a community organization that wants to bring back power to the Vietnamese community by advocating for immigration and housing rights.
0: Awesome. Thank you for coming on to the podcast, Lena. Thank you for your work that you do within the Vietnamese community. So to start us off with our first question, what propelled you to take on this initiative within your community? Did you have prior experience in community outreach, leadership, or development?
1: For me, I feel
2: like it just happened in my life like I never thought I would ever get into politics and I know the term is very stigmatized and I simply wanted to just be a therapist to work for the Vietnamese community but then I also wasn't in, uh, involved in a resource center called the intercultural Resource Center at Coastline College. And they were partnering up with VietRise at the time and they were opening up a summer internship program. And I'm like, OK, cool. This, I, th- I guess this is going to be like a starting ground for me to work with the Vietnamese community. So I'm like down. Like, I don't care if it's about politics or not. Seems like it's a good cause. Like I wasn't even a registered voter yet at that point. So you can see like I was just like, you know, an everyday person, not knowing anything, but just wanted to join because it seemed like it was good.
1: That actually sounds really nice how you just kind of stumbled upon this opportunity. And since your time at Viet Rise, I guess at least on to the next question is looking back since it was founded back in 2018, like what milestones would you say Viet Rise has crossed and what are some things you hope to reach uh within the future?
2: Wow, milestones. Yeah. As you can see, we're still pretty new. Yeah. Like only it's been like Three years, or even less, two years and a half since we just got founded. And what Miles Comes from Beach? Well, like our major thing is about like advocating for immigration rights. And so we've done like youth programs where we like taught social justice with Westminster High School students, Garden Grove students. And I remember there was one, but I forgot, but it's just overall youth and also college students, too, that are um, UCs and stuff like that. And we also have helped with cases of those who are undocumented and they're being outright deported. And so we've been trying to mobilize with other organizations that could help us push forwards like a campaign to get people know that, oh my God, this person is getting, is undocumented and we should call on Governor Newsom to sign a document for him to get released sooner. And yeah, trying to get the committee out to sign petitions and stuff like that. And my most favorite part, honestly, the protests that we do host pre-COVID, of course. And I was wondering COVID, but it was pretty small and where it was called the ice out of Little Saigon. and that was one of my favorites where we had it here at westminster at freedom to liberty park and so you know it was kind of like a coincidence that the parks were named that way but it's right by community college i mean coastline community college too actually and so we had a lot of people come out and i remember i was like a chant master and it's and I was trying to chant to the point I lost my voice. And so it's it was like pretty ridiculous, but fun at the same time, just saying like, you know, ice shouldn't be here and we should get ice out of Saigon, like abolish ice already. Like it shouldn't be here in our communities.
0: Right on, right on. I think the fact that Viet Rise takes on this tremendous effort to really keep individuals here within this country, to have them work here and to have them essentially be Equal citizens, you know, without well, quote unquote like correct documentation is such a, a big thing. I actually did a research paper not too long ago for my sociology class that we were looking more or less into immigration reform and seeing that now a huge proportion of undocumented immigrants coming into this country and who are now staying in this country are of Asian descent, specifically from Southeastern Asia. And the way that ICE affects land X individuals, individuals from Central and South America, more or less affects members of our community as well and so the fact that you are taking a step into this direction and you're also a fourth year so you're around um, our age and someone who has more or less found their passion into something that they want to do even though albeit it was something that you thought was loosely related to what you want to do in the future is nothing short of amazing and so you know I commend you on that Lena. I, I do have to ask though like what does it feel to be a chant master to Lead, you know- like tens of upon like hundreds of individuals marching for a cause that is in essence greater than themselves,
2: oh my God, it was definitely a highlight, but if anyone would ask me like what's your most embarrassing moment, it would also be that because I thought that I could scream really loud as a person, but I can't. Like, there are some people, you know, they can just scream and they can raise their voice super loudly, but that's not for me. But I just took on a job because I'm like, okay, this is something new. I guess I'll do it. And yeah, like one of our chants, it goes like, <laughs> And so it means protect our families. And so I remember that was the only chant I could scream. The other ones, <laughs> like I had the, the interns that was courting at the time help me
0: right on. I'll have to hopefully brush up on my beat so I can chomp that at the next rally or <laughs> protest. Um, yes, come <laughs> Yeah, so our next question is, given the pandemic's effect of reducing in-person events significantly, what changes has Viet Rise made to ensure a strong turnout or impact? You mentioned beforehand that you guys had a little in-person protest during COVID, but that was one of them, and I couldn't imagine how how difficult it might have been to really create a protest or rally centered around political action that still had to fall in lines with public health guidelines, restrictions, so on and so forth.
2: Yeah. Don't get us wrong, like, once the pandemic hit, we did host, like, a press conference telling the community, like, the importance of, you know, keeping uh, social-slash-physical distancing and even inviting a doctor to speak to the Vietnamese community on what's been happening when it first started. So we were aware. But it's like, this... Protest that we had was really urgent for us because there were literally 33 undocumented Vietnamese people that were about to get deported on a plane from Texas. And even though Biden has signed the 100-day, I think it's called a 100-day moratorium, where it basically he promises within this 100-day election or inauguration that he won't deport anyone, but he he did, and also to the fact that he has violated the 2008 Vietnamese was it I'm looking out but it's called the 2008 agreement between the U.S. and the and Vietnam have y'all ever heard of it audit by any chance
0: Uh, I don't believe I have would you care to educate us
2: yes please enlighten us (laughs) yeah of course so the 2008 agreement is basically where Vietnam and U.S. agreed that anyone that Immigrated before nineteen fifty five over to America. They're not allowed to like be deported. But in those like thirty three people, there were there was like there were people who came here before nineteen fifty five, and so it was just like extremely ridiculous how they're putting this like in the back burner. Like you know, I bet nobody even knew about. It. Like the media didn't cover it, of course. Like so <laughs> we did it. We did it over COVID, and we. Instead of, like, you know, doing, like, a normal protest where we march around and stuff like that, we turned it into a car rally instead. So it was pretty safe for the most part. We just went to block, like, if anyone has come to Asian Garden mall area, the Bolsa, Westminster. Yeah, we were just, like, going into a block and honking our horns, letting, like, the community know, yeah, this is going on. And pasting our cars from side to side, calling on Biden and Harris or in, like, the White House that this is not okay.
1: Uh, It's super cool on how you managed to kind of turn your situation around. Obviously, COVID was a disadvantage to all of us on where we have to change the way we proceed towards a situation to ensure that we follow like public health guidelines and everything. So the fact that you guys were able to still show up regardless and do it within the safety of your cars and kind of make some noise in a way at Asian Garden Mall like that is honestly a really commendable thing to still show up at this very time. And you said something about it not being covered in. As you can see, both me and Ethan didn't even know about that, you know? And it just goes to show how important it is to just keep remaining educated and finding out about all these issues that are happening within our community, especially the things that are not covered within the media. I feel like uh, a lot of people, their main education is based on the media. And often the media is very biased on the way they showcase Asian Americans and so forth. So it's really amazing that you're here and just like helping us learn more on how to like support the Vietnamese community and being Vietnamese American myself and and living in Orange County, right where Asian Garden Mall is. I'm so Baffled at learning all these new things, you know? Like, you would think I would know a little bit more just living in the city, but just goes to show how little the information is being spread around, even for people that are living right in the city. Thank you Um, for that. um, Did you want to say something? (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm just shocked that they deported someone who came here before 1955, because that person Mm -hmm. is now at least, what, 70 something years old, 80 something years old? You're deporting old grandmas and grandpas walking down Little Saigon that's I don't I have I'm at a loss for words because that's such a
2: they were from Texas by the way not sorry. Here.
0: sorry Texas yeah still though Texas that's yeah. I'm just very very baffled at that that's that's something that's that you shouldn't even consider what danger does a 70-year-old or 80-year-old, you know, refugee or s- someone who's undocumented pose on the infrastructure of a, of the American economy? Or more or less, what danger are they to the status quo within that area? I personally I don't see that because when I think of 70 or 80-year-old individuals, I think of my grandparents, my great aunts and uncles, you know, who would never hurt a fly, more or less. Mm-hmm. I it's I'd say, just baffling to my head. But I think we should move on to our next question with, how have you and the organization of Viet Be Rise been processing the ongoing attacks against the Asian American Pacific Islander community?
2: For us at the moment, we have been addressing it, but it's not in a way where we're trying to... Wait, hold on. Let me <laughs> rewind that. It's more of like, For us at the moment, we're just so bombarded with community requests that we're still in the workings on how we're we're working to address these matters. And so I don't have like a definite answer yet. It's just within our capacity. Since I'm just going to be honest with you, we're just, wait, so there's Allison, Vincent, Tracy, me, and Indigo. We're like just a five people team in this organization and so you can imagine we're taking on a lot already and so yeah, I don't have an definite answer, but we do see that this is important and we definitely want to stand by that this is not okay. And for me in my own personal views, if I could share is that this really plays along like identity politics. Like have y'all ever heard about like this term or I
0: maybe heard of it in like a government textbook. And back in <laughs> AP GoPo, back in high school, but give me a refresher.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is more of like, when people say, you know, um, don't, you know, our community is important too, you know, why do you care so much about the Black community? Why do you care so much about the Vietnamese community? Like, we're important too, as like, white people, for example. And, you know, it shouldn't be like this. What sh- we should been doing is that we should have called on our government, like the White House, how like they're messing up and they're not being held accountable that these communities of color are now like fighting against each other and they're not providing adequate protection. And so it's not to a matter of fact saying that, oh, we are Asian, we as APIs, we should call on other communities to stop, but it's more of like, and they're hurting us, but it's more of like, we should say, hey, stop white supremacy and protect our communities of color instead. Yeah. And like for me, I also believe, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, that was really great that it shows that like our community is able to make a change and bring our voices out and show the government, yeah, what they're doing is really messed up. But it's also like very revolved around like their own identity as Black people and how much they're hurting. Like, don't I'm really an ally for the Black community, but I wish in their campaign as well they should have called on like the white supremacists and how they're not bringing like proper protections between our communities. And so that now the Asian community can learn from that and continue like this call on for white supremacists. You know, like it's not okay in this country. And thinking about systemically, it's very in our systems on how we act and how our resources are being distributed so yeah that's my take
0: I mean I appreciate you for being very open and being vulnerable uh, on this podcast we you know Elaine and I really appreciate and value you being comfortable enough to share what you feel has been, you know, happening. It's, I think, a very difficult thing to really process. Elaine and I were having conversations about this topic, like, over and over again about how we as students sometimes don't have the ability or necessarily the time and energy to process it because we have deadlines to meet. We don't necessarily have the resources to kind of have that time to sit back and understand, like, that just happened, that eight individuals within within our community were brutally slaughtered in Georgia for someone who quote-unquote had a bad day you know that's that's something I'm still trying to process to this day and more or less all these individual attacks popping up in and around California of these elderly individuals being shoved to the ground and you know more or less being hurt and murdered to the extent to where I'm fearful for my family I'm fearful for my grandparents who live in LA and you know while be it LA has such a a sizable, you know, Asian American population, it's still one that can be under fire like any of the other communities that the media chooses to cover on a slow news day.
2: I, like, also really empathize with that. Like, you know, I'm a student, too, and it's really draining to the fact of just thinking about, you know, our education system, that they're still forcing us to continue school, and we have to pay, like, the full amount of tuition on top of that. And, like, professors, too, they're still like, bombarding us with, like, discussion posts, like, and presentations, like, ridiculous assignments, and they're not really, like, thinking about how this impacts as a whole. Like, I know, like, professors have their own agenda on what they need to get done, but it's, come on, you got to just think for the students too, like, that's your job. <laughs> or, I mean, there's also the other side, you know, they're just doing it for their research, so I'm not going <laughs> to go on about that. But, yeah, as students or as the youth. Like at this moment, we're being impacted because of our education system.
1: I remember within Sasa, we uh, were set to write a statement just just to condemn like anti-Asian racism and how hard it was for me to actually start writing it and it was because of all the processing that I had to do you know like I wanted the statement to be powerful and memorable and in a way kind of just urge people to take action right but how do you do that when you're still in the moment of processing you know like every day I wake up and and as much as you try to stay away from your phone, the news is going to pop out, you know, whether that's on Instagram or Facebook. And you find some new thing that's happening within the Asian-American community. And, you know, like, as an Asian-American, like, it's it's hard to see that, you know, like, it, it pains me to just open the news every day and see that, oh, there's a mass shooting or this guy had a bad day. The way they interpret it in the media, the way that they forgive other community members for like, hurting our community is just it's it's disrespectful in a way that's how I feel like and lately I've actually personally like I haven't told anyone but I struggle going outside by myself sometimes I Mm. I remember like just the other day I was just standing in line just to wait for my food at McDonald's and I was constantly scared like I just kept looking around and I personally don't feel safe just being around by myself without anyone anymore and to like I never thought in my lifetime I would ever feel that fear Right. It's something okay. that we learn in the textbooks and things like that. But I never thought I would live in a time where I being Asian, made me scared. You know, I am so proud of being Asian. But at this moment, it's hard to be proud, you know, because people look at you differently. And I can tell the way that someone gazes at me differently when I go up to order at some food place, right. And it's, it's so hard to kind of process that because every day, as we're trying to get back to normalcy, somehow, our identity as being Asian is being attacked, you know, whether that is a gaze, or whether that is just, the way they kind of address us or they turn cold when they see you kind of thing. Right. So it's, it's been so hard to process. And I feel I, I do acknowledge that we have the privilege to even sit there and process, you know, there's a lot of people that doesn't even have the the time or because they've been directly affected and they just have to keep moving forward, you know? So I do. And I, I do feel so lucky that we have that time to sit there and kind of process our emotions. But I do know that there are so many unfortunate people out there just who doesn't have the capabilities or the opportunities to do so. So we mm-hmm. hope that anyone that's listening is that they're using this podcast as a way to feel seen and heard and essentially have this own safe space to wherever they happen to listen to. And for anyone that's listening who wants to reach out, like we're always here as a community, whether you go to UC Irvine or not, we are here as a safe space to listen to your thoughts. All right, so let's just move on to the question, which is, as a young Asian-American, what are some words of wisdom for people who are interested or a little hesitant to get involved in the line of work that you do?
2: Yeah, I was going to mention what Elaine said about like how it was hard for her to write that statement. And it just goes to show, because like, I was a part of like ACCI too, like, student organizing, and so I know how currently what... Our students know about organizing and how different it is from what the work I do. There is a lot of like figure as you go, like no one really taught us how to organize like organizing can mean, you know, planning for a workshop or like planning stuff like that. But also like on the other hand, it's like actually mobilizing people telling them, you know, you need a call to action to sign petitions or like host events to get the word out on the format. matter like no one taught us and we're like literally figuring this out by ourselves and we're we're pressured to put on that burden as well and I feel like I mean anyone can start if they want to get involved in this I mean if let me just ask y'all like you know do y'all care about the community?
0: I mean of course the fact that we're putting on this podcast the fact that we're taking the time and trying and giving the effort into not only trying to create action, but also re-educate ourselves in a manner to where we are more able to help our community and other affected communities in regards to white supremacy, you know, um, racial injustice, prejudice, and systematic racism, something that both Elaine and numerous members of our board are trying to do. And I do see that it is actively creating kind of like a ripple effect around you know, uh, the student communities here at UCI, similar to what Elaine said about like writing that statement, trying to start writing that statement, it's super difficult because you want to be as articulate, you want to be as concise, direct, and as impactful as possible. Because in reality, you only have one shot in saying what you want to say. And no matter what you say, people are going to pick it apart to the best of their ability because of XYZ, because you didn't say this, or because they're interpreting your words to a certain degree that wasn't well intended and so on and so forth.
2: Yeah. And it shouldn't even be about that. Like why are you nitpicking at words? Like if you truly care for a community, then you would do something about like, you know, I want to see your action. Like I don't just want to hear from you. And so it's so awesome that y'all doing this podcast and spreading more representation amongst the API community. And like also, as a like as a more accessible way because like for students like a lot of people don't know what the mom minority myth is and other like the oral history I saw too like how, how important that is as well and so um I feel like with what we're trying to do as an organization is like we're trying to pass on like our tools of organizing so that the in the future like the community can start organizing itself like that's really our main intention and what I really hope for, like, future communities can um, continue the work as well. Like, it's not like, you know, and that's it. Like, (laughs) we're going to fix all, like, API problems. Like, no way. Like, this has to be from the community. Like, y'all are part of the community. And anyone that's listening is also part of the community. And so if you just, you know, have that spark in you just to have the energy to help out and do something about it because it's really like honestly not fair that some people just don't care. And now we're placed on the burn to do this work.
0: I definitely resonate with that. And I agree, you know, if you're going to be a part of a community or you identify yourself as part of the community, then I feel like there is somewhat of an obligation to help out your fellow community members to really, in essence, stand by in solidarity with, you know, your fellow co-workers, friends, more or less faculty or whoever just so happens to be within your community, more or less cut off the head of the snake type of thing. And I used to be very, very afraid, personally speaking, to speak out and speak my mind when it came to a lot of certain issues in regards to the political realm. Being raised in the area I was, there, it was a strong conservative slash like gop presence there and there weren't many individuals who looked like me individuals who Uh grappled with the same issues and form of i would say microaggressions and discriminations that i had to endure and it doesn't it didn't help also that my parents thought that same way too my parents are more towards the conservative republican you know so on and so forth that side and i'm more left-leaning liberal that type of deal and so Having to explain and trying to argue with them why I feel like I need to do these things when they think I should just focus and go to college and be that perfect model minority myth, really, I feel like puts an added pressure on me. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who feels that way. There are tons and tons of other kids who are put in this position where there's a huge, huge ideological gap, You, if you would say, between our parents slash grandparents, aunts and uncles, older cousins even, and our generation now it's it's crazy to think about how our parents literally more or less went through similar events when they came to this country forms of discrimination racial prejudice coming in with all these added increase of just police brutality as well as white supremacy being more and more prevalent so to speak and yet they didn't have the time or didn't feel like it was very important to them at the moment to really process that and be a part of that progressive movement so to speak i think now that we're so much more educated and a little bit more i guess you could say less press for time less necessarily put what we need to do together is giving us the available time to really process these things and realize that hey i need to stand up for my allies i need to stand up for individuals who are within these communities that need help because if it's just going to be them oh my god the <laughs> the status quo is going to do something terrible to any of us right
2: yeah i definitely agree and i feel like just reflecting like on like our generation like we're all in like college and stuff like that i'm learning in my asian american studies like essentially it's way harder for us cuz i don't know if y'all relate like i used to be like the translator in the my family right Yeah, and it's kind of hard to really fit in anywhere when you're always always forced to like like negotiate your different identities. Like at home you speak your native language, but then outside you're you're trying to, you know, align to more whiteness, but like you're still trying to decolonize your mind in that way. And and then like at the same time you're thinking about your future career and what you're gonna do and if you can really like still maintain your culture that way at the end of the day, and so it is a really strange generation, I would say. And so, I like don't want to say like you know if you don't care like you suck. It's it's just like I want to acknowledge that you know we're, we're also in the midst of a pandemic, and there's a lot of mental health reasons that may have come up for you, and as well as like. Identifying as like an Asian American within the community, that's within its battle as well.
1: Yeah, I just wanna say that although like the burden is placed on the the Asian American community, it should be like an entire like community effort. We're all humans at the end of the day, right? And in order to uplift one community is that we all of our communities have to stand together. We have to stand in solidarity and support the communities that are in need at the time, right? Because once we do that, it kind of creates that ripple effect that each of us has talked about where when other communities in the future there's always going to be a community in trouble but during those times that is when you really need to stand together and help each other out the best that we possibly can and just unite together and just you know that's how the world can be a, a little bit of a nicer place to live in you know when we help each other out regardless of race and gender and ethnic identity and things like that so If you're not you don't identify as Asian American and you feel like it doesn't relate to you, it it does, because we all hope that one day that we can essentially be a united force where we can just look at each other as the same. And in a way, we can help each other grow in many different ways. Instead of spending all that energy just going against each other, we can move forward instead. Alrighty, So uh, let's just move on to the last question is what events and objectives would you like our listeners to be aware of that Viet Rice currently sees as a priority? <laughs> I'm laughing just because
2: there's just a lot of things going on at the moment that it's even hard to say what our next steps is because we had plans, you know, we had plans how 2021 is going to look like, but it's just because of what's been happening within our community it's honestly been hard, but what I do wanna highlight at least in this podcast is what I'm working on is like redistricting. Have y'all ever heard about
0: it? Is it related to gerrymandering question? Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. So basically like redistricting is it happens every ten years and it it's um coincides with the census. And so basically every 10 years new maps are being drawn so that creates equal representation with our community because as you can see like you know in our cities you have you know maybe one section where it's more of like the business area one section is more of like mobile homes or houses or there's a farm and like other industries and stuff like that and so those need to be equally allocated within each community so that it impacts who gets elected later on. So it impacts like the board of supervisors, the school board and the city council. And so for us, we're trying to, in the collaboration with the community, like specifically residents and other community organizations, we want to like collaborate them to redraw those maps and present them to the city council to the school board and and OC board of supervisors that this is what our community looks like and it should be divided this way because they need these certain things to have within their community. Because sometimes what happens like, um, Ethan, like how much do you know about gerrymandering?
0: Uh, Besides the term and a few examples from, let's say South Carolina, back in like the 1970s, 1980s, (laughs) not so much, unfortunately
2: yeah yeah no or it's gerrymandering to put it as its simplest is basically drawing maps in a way that benefits a politician so they draw it like really weird like the term gerrymandering it comes from because like the map that the certain politician drew it looks like sound Sal- Manner. is that what it is yeah i think so so then basically like yeah the politician personally picked out each community which one would vote for him and so you can see it's like you know you- pretend you make create rules for a game and then those rules only like favor you so it shows that you win but yeah and so obviously that's not right and so then with redistricting we're trying to not make that happen and allow for those maps to actually look like look like they're actually for the community and not drawn really weirdly
0: yeah i get you i feel like it's a more important time than ever Because while I don't know much about gerrymandering, I have heard recently a lot about voter suppression laws, and how Mm -hmm. there were quite a few passed just in the state of Georgia, which was one of the the swing states that happened in this recent, you know, presidential election, and that a majority of those lawmakers were passing voter suppression acts to more or less enhance, I'm supposing, their gerrymandering district, so to speak.
2: Hmm, yeah yeah that's like another topic. It's just ridiculous how you know you know voter materials aren't even like in proper languages, and like my mom oftentimes, even though there is it, but like you know the politicians, you know who are they gonna vote for Cause like most information is in English, so that's like another issue
0: <laughs> right. Thank you for sharing so much, Lena. off the top of my head, I just had one more last question to ask you before we end this podcast is that you mentioned. You know, quite a few times that Viet Rise is this very, very impactful resource and uh, I'd say progressive force within the greater OC area, specifically you know Westminster, Little Saigon, an area predominantly Viet. How can any listener from podcasts overseas or basically anybody from our organization can we help ease your load and more or less create a bigger effect?
2: That's really nice. Oh my god. I feel like, well, I'm not going to try to save your life it's very impactful. I think all of the community organizations have been very impactful to our community. But I feel like when we try to ask the community to sign petitions and call on certain things, like we encourage folks to actually do it, you know, and support us in that way. Like, it's kind of like in a relationship, you know, you tell your partner, like, okay, this is what I want. And then you expect that partner to, like, you know, follow through. And so that's what we're, that's what the same thing is. So we just hope, you know, no pressure, of course, like, if it's not come through for you, we understand. But it's like when we ask for y'all to do this petition or come out to support us in certain protests or events um, uh, or anything, yeah, we really encourage you to come out and if you have any questions as well like we're always available to answer whatever you have and just see which, where we can go from there yeah
1: so what what about for people who aren't able to like come physically to the protest just because they're not living near our community and they're other out of state and things like that what are uh, some simple ways that they can um help get rise out well first of
2: all all our information is on social media you can follow us via rise oc <laughs> plug at facebook instagram and twitter and like by signing those petitions yeah or anything else like you know if you even want to like have it, like an issue in your community like you know you can always hit us up
0: awesome i love how accessible Viet it rises and how you guys have more or less done your best to in any organization that organizes for political action and social justice and whatnot in regards to transitioning fully virtual um uh-huh. well lena thank you so much for being on this podcast this is podcast overseas signing off Bye bye